Today on Not Sam Wrestling, what a run FTR is having. We've got more name changes and what exactly makes a great wrestling match. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Well, first Not Sam Wrestling in the post-WrestleMania 38 world. I mean, I guess technically last week we were in the post-WrestleMania 38 world, but I mean, literally hours removed. This is the first podcast coming to you with programming actually following WrestleMania 38. So welcome to episode 390 of Not Sam Wrestling. It just occurred to me because I guess I was thinking about what to do for episode 500 And it just occurred to me that I've got about two years to figure out what to do, maybe more, two years and change to figure out what to do before episode 500. But episode 400 is going to be here in what, 11 weeks? That's three months, more or less, from the time that I'm recording this. That's April, May, June, right around July 4th, if my math is correct. We'll get to episode 400. I feel like I should start trying to plan something spectacular. 400 weekly episodes of a wrestling podcast. Well, we can't dwell on the future. We can't dwell on the past. All we can dwell is on the present. And at present, I just want to say, if you're listening to this right now, I hope you've been applauding for the last week and change at the run that FTR is on. I believe this is the run that FTR has wanted to have their entire career. I think this is what they dreamed about having when they first started. I think when they started to gain traction in the NXT days, I think this, this is what they had in mind, not only with the spectacular opponents that they've had, but just in the last two matches alone, right? Just the fact that this week on television, the main event match between the Young Bucks and FTR on AEW Dynamite was just a phenomenal I mean, not just tag match, wrestling match. Just a phenomenal match for a fan to enjoy. And that was coming off of, I mean, it's not only are they over here having match of the year candidates with regularity, but you can't even decide which FTR match is going to be the one that you nominate for match of the year because days, days before that amazing match with the Young Bucks, that was Wednesday, and on What was it, Friday? Last Friday, a week ago, you know, so it'll be two weeks this Friday. They had the incredible tag match with the Briscoes where they won the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. That match between FTR and the Briscoes is a lot of people's favorite for favorite match of the entire WrestleMania weekend. Throughout uh, WrestleMania's Night 1 and 2, Stand and Deliver, the Ring of Honor show, the GCW Collective, uh, 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 WrestleCade, everything. Not WrestleCade, the other one. You know, the big convention, WrestleCon. Uh, you know, what's the big convention, the big con with wrestling in it? You know, the, the, the con where they celebrate, where they wrestle. I, I'll think of it later. <laughs> WrestleCon. Uh, FTR versus the Briscoes is a lot of people's favorite match and it's not difficult to see why I mean if if you are looking to just sit down and enjoy some action just sit down and enjoy a couple of great wrestling matches really look no further than the last two that have been uh graced gracefully blessed upon us 
by the gods of tag team wrestling FTR. And I'm going to tell you right now, based on the FTR that we saw with the Briscoes, based on the FTR that we saw with the Bucks, the Usos coming out. You know what a big fan I am of the Usos. I was talking about it on WWE Twitter spaces. The Usos are my favorite tag team. And I know that makes me sound like a WWE homer, but the Usos are incredible. And I have been thinking for days now about what it would be like. FTR is clearly hitting their peak. At least I think they are. They're definitely hitting their highest point. If they haven't hit their peak yet, it's going to be scary how good they are in their peak. The Usos are at that same time where they're only getting better and better and better. This version of the Usos versus this version of FTR to me would be the ultimate tag team dream match. But I was not surprised at all to hear that a lot of people's favorite match of last weekend was FTR versus the Briscoes. That's one that you go, go on fight, find it, watch it. It's amazing. And it got me to thinking kind of one of my first big points of today's show, which is what is it that makes a great wrestling match? You know, I don't know that there are a lot of wrestling fans that would debate whether or not FTR versus the Briscoes is uh, one of, if not the best wrestling matches of WrestleMania weekend. I think even a non-wrestling fan could look at that match and go, oh my God. I remember match quality, there are certain matches that have changed my my kind of understanding of, of what's capable from simply in-ring match quality that 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 sometimes it's 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 not about the promo it's not it's about the match itself right and i think the first time i remember that happening for i mean it's ftr is going to be pretty flattered by this because i just realized that almost all of them are brett matches my three these are the three that i remember kind of shaping how i look at uh professional wrestling the first one i remember is bret hart versus mr perfect SummerSlam 91 I would have been eight, seven, seven years old, I guess, seven years old or so, watching it live. And when you're seven and you're watching WWE and you grow up a WWE fan, it's all about the cartoon characters. It's all about the Hulkster. It's all about Macho Man. It's all about Ultimate Warrior. It's all about the larger than life. It's all about the, you know, the the cartoon characters, He-Man come to life. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect was the first time that as a kid, I remember watching going, oh my God, I'm in love with this match. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect is the first match that I remember rewinding my VHS tape of because I recorded all the pay-per-views on my VCR, rewinding my VHS tape of and just watching that match over and over and over again. And there are other matches that I had rewatched. I, I was a big fan of Hulk Hogan versus Earthquake from SummerSlam 91. I loved Hogan versus, I mean, from SummerSlam 90. I loved Hogan versus Earthquake. To this day, Macho Man versus Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 7, is made on my list of favorite matches of all time. But Brett versus Perfect, a match that didn't have the over-the-top, a match that didn't have the cartoon characters, a match that simply told the story of this working-class hero looking to finally break through, looking to finally get a shot in WWE. And this gatekeeping jock who thought he was better than everybody else showing up to spoil the Canadian dreams of the hitman. That story was made so clear 
within the confines of the squared circle, within the 20 by 20 ring that I remember even as a kid getting it and being blown away. The second time was Brett versus Sean, WrestleMania 12. Some people hate on that match. That match to me, especially at that point, about as perfect as you could get. I loved Brett versus Sean because I remember I was 12 by then. And I remember thinking to myself that even as the biggest WWE fan in the world, there's no way that a match, a single match, is going to be able to keep my attention for 60 minutes. I mean, that's why sports entertainment was created. It's one of the main reasons why Toots Mont had to to redefine what pro wrestling even was. Because people were sitting there in the audience watching matches that would go on for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. They're getting bored. They're getting tired of it. Toots realized that people needed some excitement, needed some action, needed the pace to be quickened. And by WrestleMania 12, which was, I guess, what? 70, yeah, 75, 76 years after Toots Mont's time. By WrestleMania 12, I was right there going an hour-long wrestling match. I don't think so. And the story that Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels told over 61 minutes and change completely changed my mind and sold me on the story. I didn't get sold on the story by the Jose Lothario gimmicks. I didn't get sold on the story looking at Bret Hart train in the in the Great Alps of Calgary, Alberta. I got sold on the story within the 60 minutes and change of that match. And it made me realize that there there are no time limits on what can be an amazing performance. That, yeah, there are matches that go on way too long. But if there's a story to be told over the course of 60 plus minutes, that's how long it takes. And then the third time it happened was a year later. Watching Brett and Stone Cold Steve Austin do their thing at WrestleMania 13. I know that I realized that it wasn't just for wrestling fans when I sat in the Hammerstein Ballroom with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. Not a wrestling fan, but an appreciator of the spectacle. And she sat there and she watched Nigel McGuinness versus versus Brian Danielson. And she sat there and she said, well, that's a really good match. It was the first time she had ever complimented a match. She had loved an entrance. She had loved a, a tire. She'd loved a promo. She'd loved a character. But before Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness, I'd never heard her say that she loved, and she just enjoyed watching a wrestling match. And she did in that moment. I think that the FTR versus the Briscoes match would probably have the same effect on a lot of people. But I bring all this up to say, like, what is that match? Like, what what is it that makes a great wrestling match because there was another wrestling match that I think altered uh, the way I, I, I don't know if it altered, it confirmed the way I felt about wrestling, the way I felt about wrestling, not just being one thing, the way I felt about wrestling being one of the few forms of entertainment that doesn't fit neatly inside of a box. It can't be defined by one single set of terms, but instead is defined by the story that that it exists within. 
that the match exists within. Because while I love Briscoes versus FTR, one of my other favorite matches of the weekend was Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. And I say that without irony. One of my favorite wrestling matches of the weekend was Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. And I can already hear the people saying, hey, 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 oh, I see, Sam. I see the di- I see what you're not getting. See, let me explain this to you. And already, it's like, if we're going to talk about wrestling, don't come at me in such a condescending way, okay? Let me explain something to you. FTR versus the Briscoes, that was pro wrestling. Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, that was sports entertainment. Okay, all right. With the pro wrestling sports entertainment, I've said it on this show before. Do not get sucked in by marketing terms. Do not define yourself by what companies have put on stuff. Make no mistake about it. Pro wrestling and sports entertainment are exactly the same thing. Pro wrestling being branded as specifically not sports entertainment is just that. It's a branding tool. It's a mechanism to get you to buy a ticket to something. And vice versa. Pro wrestling specifically being branded sports entertainment and not pro wrestling is the exact same thing. It's a branding tool. It's marketing. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a choice of words to try to get you to buy a ticket to the same thing. Sports entertainment and pro wrestling are exactly the same thing. But there are different ways to present pro wrestling. I was, uh, when I watched Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville, I felt almost like a sense of, of pride in the performer that Sami Zayn is and the realization of how varied his tool set is. I I was sitting there going like, this is what it's all about. This, this, this is the variety show. To me, that match being on the same card as, I mean, I guess Cody and Seth and, and Bianca and Becky were both the night before, but even that match being on the same card as Brock versus Roman, two completely separate types of presentations. Edge versus AJ, completely different type of presentation. The fact that that's all umbrellaed under uh, uh, sports entertainment or pro wrestling, to me, that's what makes pro wrestling so special. And I, I, I loved how well that match was pulled off for what that match was. And that's why I was shocked when I started listening to other people's takes on on WrestleMania and I started listening to uh, what people thought on Twitter about it. I'm always very curious to hear lots of people's takes on it. And I never worry. If people disagree with me, I have no problem with that. And people liking something that I liked or not liking something that I liked or not or, or, or liking something that I didn't like, none of that ever bothers me. If you sit there and you go, I didn't like Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. I'm That's cool. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm ready to have that conversation. I'm actually curious. What didn't you like about it? Why didn't you like it? But what, what trips me up, what boggles my mind, is taking it a step further. The thought that there are some people and people with esteem, and this isn't about them either. This isn't a, an attack on anybody's, you know, take on WrestleMania, but just the fact that there were people who've kind of dedicated their lives to wrestling in some way, shape, or form saying Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville was bad. 
Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville was embarrassing. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville was not wrestling. Same, like all this stuff, stuff that went beyond because there's a big difference between I didn't like it and that was bad. There's a big difference in music. I didn't like it and that's bad. Film, I didn't like it and that's bad. There are movies that I go, like Marvel movies, right? I don't like Marvel movies for the most part, but like, I, I, I can't sit here and say they're bad. First of all, look at the returns on tickets, right? If one Marvel movie does really well, that's a fluke. If all of them do really well, clearly the collective is sitting here saying, no, we like them. And, and Marvel has got to sit there going, no, we're doing something right. It can mean that I don't like it. It doesn't mean that I have to like it, but it does mean that I'm blinding myself if I'm sitting here saying that it's bad. So what is... Is it that makes Johnny Knoxville, and I'll bring a Marvel example back in a little bit, but what is it that makes Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville a great wrestling match? What what was it about that that made me love it so much? Because like I was listening to like, I think it was Jim Cornette, right? And, you know, I couldn't have more respect for Jim Cornette as far as brains in wrestling goes. Like, who am I to say that somebody like Jim Cornette shouldn't be entitled to his take? But... What I found interesting um, was that, uh, and clearly it's not his cup of tea, right? But what he was, a lot of people think that uh, that it was embarrassing for the business, you know? Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville have this match where, uh, first of all, they start the match and they start great. Sami Zayn just about kicked Johnny Knoxville's face off of his skull to start the thing. I was like, this is exactly how it should go. And then, you know, as they went on, you know, Johnny Knoxville was able to kick out of a little bit more than you might have thought he was able to kick out of. Okay, that's all right. We didn't come to WrestleMania. We didn't tell this whole story leading there. We didn't have uh, Johnny Knoxville post Sami Zayn's phone number all over the place. We didn't have Sami Zayn make social media videos uh, a couple of times a week and go on SmackDown every single week and 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 have the Intercontinental title cost to, to him and, and all this stuff so we could have a 30-second match. Sami Zayn at one point tries to get a table out from under the ring. There's mouse traps all over it. Uh, Sami Zayn tries to uh, climb the top rope at one point. Johnny Knoxville has a secret button. He hits the button. Fireworks go off. They go right up his rectum, right up Sami Zayn's rectum. To me, I'm going, this is all great. This is the offense that Johnny Knoxville would have. Like, I really enjoyed the juxtaposition. I love the idea that it was an anything goes match, right? So Sami Zayn pulls out a garbage can and a stop sign and some of the weaponry that is typical for no holes barred matches within the confines of wrestling. But Johnny Knoxville being an outsider, Johnny Knoxville not being a wrestler, Johnny Knoxville coming from jackass, he pulls from his world. He has a table that's full of mouse traps. He has a fireworks button. He has a machine that kicks you in the groin. And of course, getting kicked in the groin by a machine is going to hurt worse than being kicked in the groin by a, an average foot. The same way if I hold your hand on the table and swing down with my hand as hard as I can, that's not going to be nearly as painful as if a car door shuts on it because of the mechanics of it, the weight of the machinery. 
Was there anything better as a child than a warm spring day where mom would surprise you with a sweet frozen treat? Pardon the interruption, but we got to get to the bottom of this question. I got to say no, especially if you're over there. I remember watching WrestleMania 9, eating creamsicles, thinking to myself, life is pretty good. Who could I think? for bringing me onto this planet and allowing me these privileges. I know. How about mom? And Steven Singer's going to help you thank her well, for all the sweet memories. Steven's announcing his brand new 24-karat gold-dipped rose, Creamsicle. It's a mouth-watering, creamy orange color. And the best part, it's never going to die. It's never going to melt. Give mom a gift that is guaranteed to last a lifetime, something that will be around so much longer than stupid, dumb, idiotic grocery store flowers. Picture it, a real long stem rose dipped and trimmed in pure 24 karat gold with light peach petals and preserved to last a lifetime. It's the sweetest way to tell mom how much the little moments meant. Mother's Day is just around the corner. So get Steven's exclusive creamsicle 24 karat gold rose before they're gone. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com today to order with fast and free shipping, free personalized love note, and free lifetime guarantee. Don't wait. Mother's Day is early this year. See the entire collection. Starting at only $59 and only available at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelers for your real mother. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then having Johnny Knoxville's uh, friends all come in. You know, I even felt okay about uh, Wee Man coming in and body slamming Sami Zayn because number one, you got this great visual of Wee Man body slamming Sami Zayn. But number two, Sami Zayn came back in the end. Kicked Wee Man in his Wee Man face. I thought that was awesome. As somebody who grew up watching Jackass, seeing Party Boy jump in the ring and Sami Zayn getting confused and me going, I know what's coming, Sammy. He's going to throw your brain for a loop and then ripping off the clothes and he's got the denim thong on. I like to party. You like to party? Ah. 16-year-old me was losing his mind. This is goddamn hilarious. And then the uh, piece... De resistance, the big finish, the giant human-sized mousetrap that, I mean, maybe didn't go off exactly according to plan, but it's almost fitting that Johnny Knoxville had to kind of fumble his way through it 
to get the mousetrap to trap Sami Zayn in the thing. And then one, two, three. Uh, and then uh, uh, what was great was for the live audience, like every other TV show, right? If you go see SNL, when they go to break and the lights fade down, the actors don't stay in character. They start tearing their wigs off and they run backstage for a wardrobe change. When the lights went down and a prepackaged video started playing on the screen and only the audience could see what was going on in the ring, Sami Zayn was still stuck in the mousetrap, was still begging for help, was still hadn't missed a beat. It was brilliant. And it all fell within that kind of uh, uh, a world of jackass. And anybody that has spent any time watching Jackass got exactly what was happening. And if they didn't, then I don't think there's anything in this match that could have satisfied them because if you've never seen Jackass before and didn't understand anything that was happening in that match, then you probably don't understand why Johnny Knoxville would be wrestling a match at WrestleMania anyway. The same way if you had never seen an NFL game before in your life and didn't know what football was, you wouldn't understand what William the Refrigerator Perry was doing at WrestleMania 2. The same way if you had no clue of what was going on in pop music, you wouldn't understand why this uh, woman named Cindy Lauper was all of a sudden Wendy Richter's manager at WrestleMania 1. The same way why if you had never watched New York sports before or you had never been tuned into the Giants of football, you wouldn't know who this Lawrence Taylor guy was that Bam Bam Bigelow was facing at WrestleMania 11. It goes on and on and on. I mean, a lot of people probably didn't know who Cy Sperling was at WrestleMania 10, but those were dark days for WWE. Point being that it all fell within this realm of what Johnny Knoxville would bring into a wrestling match. And the fact that Sami Zayn was able to bring us all on board shows you the incredible talent that this guy has. We all know that Sami Zayn has the ability to just wrestle a straight-up great wrestling match, and he's done it before, and he's held titles before, and he's the man. But the fact that he can take the entertainment part of sports entertainment and pro wrestling this far and bring you in when it's not even a tag match, it's just him representing pro wrestling, Johnny Knoxville representing Jackass, and we're going to put on a show for you, and that's the show that you get. This is not the old days of wrestling anymore. This is not Tootsmont's time. This is not the 1920s. The object of professional wrestling is not to convince the audience that what they're seeing is straight up. In 2022, the object of professional wrestling is not to trick the audience into thinking that the results to these matches are not predetermined. It's not to convince the audience that what they're viewing is legitimate competition and not a performance. In 2022, the object of pro wrestling is to allow the audience to maintain, and, and at points force the audience to maintain a, 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 a suspension of disbelief that allows them to get lost in this story that you're telling them. The, the, that, that, to me, is what I believe the real goal of professional wrestling is. It's, it's to maintain a suspension of disbelief. And the suspension of disbelief in pro wrestling does not mean the toughest guy has to win. And 
well, if if Sami Zayn can't beat up Johnny Knoxville, then how do I think that Sami Zayn can beat up me? And if Sami Zayn can't beat up me, then I'm not buying a ticket to see him. That's not the way wrestling works anymore. Wrestling works within the confines of the story that we're telling you. And I, I, okay, and I know what the critics would be saying right now. They'd be going, well, Sam, if the point is to maintain a suspension of disbelief, how do you really expect me to believe that Johnny Knoxville snuck a human-sized mousetrap under the ring? How do you expect me to believe that Johnny Knoxville could control the pyro? And how do you expect me to believe that Sami Zayn was actually stuck inside a mousetrap? That's not what suspension of disbelief is. And I don't expect you to believe that a real human being was stuck in a real mousetrap while another real human being pinged his shoulders to the mat, one, two, three. The same way I don't expect you to believe that the only cell phone that Sami Zayn owns has a phone number that was plastered on a skyline on TMZ. I don't expect you to believe that. I expect you to believe it within the context of this story. Suspension of disbelief applies within the context of the story, meaning that if in the main event, Brock Lesnar pulled out a human-sized mousetrap and trapped Roman Reigns in it, it would have been horrible. It would have been stupid. None of us would have believed it because the story that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar told us leading up to the match and the story that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar told us in that ring was not the story in which somebody would be trapped in a human-sized mousetrap. We were not told a, a fantasy tale. We were not told a, a cartoon story. We were told a story of two of the greatest titans to ever enter the ring, stepping inside to prove once and for all which one is the fiercer competitor? That is not the story that we were told building up to Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn. The whole idea was that Johnny Knoxville is this guy from Jackass and that Johnny Knoxville's Jackass friends are always around and that, and that Sami Zayn is going crazy because he won't change his phone number because he keeps getting called and and, and 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 pranks are happening and, and he's going to Knoxville, Tennessee to try to, it was comedy. It was entertainment. It was silliness. From the jump, within the context of the story that we were being told, leading to Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, the idea that the Johnny Knoxville character would have a human mousetrap under the ring fits within the context of that story. And you could, you could hear it. In Dallas, Texas, there wasn't a collective groan when Johnny Knoxville pulled a human-sized mousetrap out from under the ring. There was a cheer. Everything that was in that match was getting over. You know why? Because the stuff that was going on in that match fell within the context of suspension of disbelief that makes sense to the story being told to us that led us to get to these two people being in the ring. We'll take it back to Marvel. When you watch a Marvel movie, right, and Spider-Man is on the outside of a rocket ship, he has attached himself to the outside of a rocket ship in order to survive because you see Spider-Man is going to be riding the rocket ship on the outside 
into outer space. And in order to survive, he must push a button on his suit that turns his Spider-Man suit into a Spider-Man space suit. Once he does that, he's able to ride the rocket on the outside of it into space, then enter the rocket to have a superhero battle. Nobody watching that movie believes that in real life, any person could ever even invent the technology that would allow anyone, arachnid or not, to ride a rocket on the outside, push a button to turn your Spider-Man suit into a spacesuit, and survive. Couldn't happen in any way, shape, or form. But within the context of that movie, within the context of the story that we were told, there are enough details in that story and the universe has moved within that story enough that we can accept that as a reality. That suspension of disbelief. If you go to that movie and you go, that could never happen, you're not fun. You're not the guy to go to a Spider-Man movie. To me, the same thing applies to Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania, that a universe was created for us to exist within by Sami Zayn primarily and by Johnny Knoxville. And the payoff of that universe came with that match at WrestleMania. And that match itself would not have worked with any two other competitors. But because of that story, to me, it worked. Look, it doesn't always work. That's not to say every stipulation works because of the because of the context of the story. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes I can't suspend my disbelief. You know, when Al Snow was fed his dead dog for dinner by the big boss man, I was on board. I was buying it. I said, what a villainous thing to do. I can't believe the big boss man just fed Al Snow Al's own dog. And the payoff to that match was the kennel from hell match. However, not even existing in a world where Al Snow had accidentally ate his own dog could make me accept the idea that any competitor would be afraid of some Rottweilers who were too busy making love to each other and defecating than to actually chase either competitor once they escaped the cage in the Kennel from Hell match. It was atrocious. It was abominable. Judy Bagwell on a, on a forklift match. Terrible. Terrible. And there was backstory there. And Judy Bagwell was involved, and it all made sense. But the execution was horrible. It was not enough for me to suspend disbelief. But when I found out that The Undertaker had a brother that The Undertaker maybe accidentally lit his parents on fire, but actually it was his brother that lit his parents on fire, and there was an entire soap opera saga that was told. And then we find out that the Paul Bearer was the Undertaker's bastard father and all these little details. Guess what? I bought it hook, line, and sinker. You bought it hook, line, and sinker. When the match finally came between The Undertaker and Kane, we were all on board. Why? Because the story was told, told well. And at least in the beginning, everything that existed within that story existed within the confines of what it would require to properly suspend disbelief. Nobody actually thought that the things that were said were true. Nobody actually thought 
that this was the Undertaker's biological brother and that Undertaker's parents had burned in a fire. But there was enough within the story that was told that we could suspend our disbelief and, and go on a ride. Pro wrestling, when it's at its best, is storytelling done through physicality. The matches themselves are the ultimate storytelling devices within the larger arc. And that, to me, is what went on with Sami Zayn and, and, and Johnny Knoxville. I mean, how about the, the, the idea that two superstars, one superstar would claim custody of another superstar's son and that in order to decide who would who who would actually because he said I'm the biological father of your son and the other superstar said well I raised him and I thought he was my son and the first superstar said no and then the other the second superstar said well I'm not going to give up custody and the first superstar said how about a ladder match since I fathered the child let's put his custody uh, uh, up above the ring and whoever climbs a ladder first to get it gets to keep your kid and then the second wrestler says okay that sounds like a great idea that shouldn't work on paper but luckily, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero are two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. And through what led to the match and through what happened within the match itself, we actually went for an emotional ride that allowed us to buy into this. And while no, none of us watching actually thought that custody of Rey Mysterio's actually son, actual son was going to be forfeited even if Eddie Guerrero won the ladder match. We didn't think that was happening in real life. But we did suspend our disbelief because of the story that was being told to us. I mean, it's all about why do you care about what you're seeing, you know? You go through the whole first WCW uncensored pay-per-view. Stipulations by themselves aren't enough. The whole pay-per-view sucked. Because there was no story to go with any of it. It was just dumb stipulations for all these matches. But when the stipulations or the events within the match, outlandish as they may be, properly reflect the story that you're told, well, then you got money. And that's to me what happened. Look, I mean, she was only in AEW for a short period of time, but, like, I think Maki Ito is, like, one of the greatest acts in wrestling. I think she's incredible. Immediately, I said, oh, my God, if I had a wrestling TV show, I'd want her on every week. And she's not the greatest in-ring competitor in the world by any stretch of the imagination. But you cannot watch that person and not be interested and not go, oh, my God, I love this act. Everything that's going on right now, it's working for me. It's so entertaining. And that's what wrestling is, man. Wrestling is the ultimate in entertainment. It's the ultimate variety show. It's everything. It's not one thing. It's everything. And as the biggest wrestling fan that I know, I'm talking about myself, I can tell you straight up that there is no part of me that wants to limit the definition of what wrestling can be. To me, I want to look at the wrestling world that we live in and go, hell yeah. Look how lucky we are that we get to live in the world where in the same WrestleMania weekend, 
We've got FTR versus the Briscoes and Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville as two of the best wrestling matches of the weekend. And you don't have to be fans of both of them. You don't have to say they're two of the best if you didn't like one or the other or both. But to me, to sit there and say, that one sucked, that one's bad, that's bad for wrestling and made me embarrassed, I don't know if you fully grasp how big wrestling actually is. Because ultimately, we're telling stories. You know what we do? We make movies, pal. What can I tell you, man? What can I tell you? I mean, look, how great is this, right? On Monday, this is the wrestling world that we live in right now. On Monday, we get Cody Rhodes versus The Miz on Raw. I don't know what that's going to look like. That's crazy to me. Cody Rhodes versus The Miz on Raw? Six months ago, one month ago, I don't think any of us thought we'd ever see the day. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville a week ago. And then on Wednesday, just because it's Wednesday, we're going to go on national television and go ahead and give to you Samoa Joe versus Monaro Suzuki. That's just going to be a TV match on Wednesday. What world are we in? It's incredible the way the wrestling world has, 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 has gotten so big and that so many different people are involved that we now have that appetizer sampler platter that we have always needed and always wanted. Whatever kind of wrestling that you want. If for some reason you only want one kind of wrestling, which if you do, cool, grab it. You're probably not that much fun at a party. You probably don't have that much to talk about. But cool, do your thing. But for me, I'm going to take the mozzarella sticks. I'm going to take the boneless wings. I'm going to take the onion rings. I might even grab a nacho or two because I'm all about the appetizer sampler, okay? I'm not about one order. I'm about sampling a little bit of everything. And that's what we can do on a weekly basis here in this world of wrestling that we're in. Uh, speaking of sampling things and what AEW is doing, I hope... Uh, I hope you also get to sample uh, a little portion of that Wheeler-Utah versus John Moxley match from Friday from Rampage. That's one of those matches, man, where I don't know if the rights are complicated because of TV or whatever, but you need to get that full match up on YouTube right away because you want to talk about talent stories, and that's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. I mean, I love the story that Kevin Owens and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin told. I love the story that Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville told. I love the story that John Moxley and William Regal and Brian Danielson and Wheeler, Utah told. Because to me, the stuff that's going on with Mox and all that and Regal and Danielson, like 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 that's the type of, of storytelling where we're going to be able to, to a, a couple of weeks, a couple of months from now, step back and look at this thing from above and really tell an amazing story that they've been telling us this entire time. I think it's so cool. Uh, we did get some notable things happening um, on both Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown, after WrestleMania. Uh, 
we are, you know, it's interesting. The name changes, the name changes. Uh, I think it does, it, it, it drives some of us up the wall. I've found my peace with it. I'll be honest with you. And I'll tell you who made me find my peace with it. That was young Dewdrop. Dewdrop made it so I could find my peace with it. And the reason I was able to find my peace with it is because, of course, who's not a fan of Piper Niven in NXT UK, right? When Piper Niven got to the main roster, it's like, who knows if Piper Niven, as Piper Niven, ever gets to the main roster? Who knows? The main roster it does what the main roster does, right? So when Piper Niven comes in as Dewdrop, it's like, what? And a lot of people are going crazy. And it's not just, right? It's not just because you're a fan. And it's not just because people are reluctant to change. There is something to be said. And I don't want to be gaslit here. As if they like, what are you talking about? Like, even something as simple as Walter and Gunther. It really doesn't matter. If Gunther's name was changed to Walter, then we'd all be like, Walter, but his name is Gunther. Gunther, Walter, Walter, Gunther. Like, it's the same gimmick. It's the, uh, the same message comes across. It's exactly the same. I think the reason that people go like, what are you doing? Is because we as the hardcores, we as the people that watch everything every week, have invested in Walter. We know who Walter is. So one day when Walter just starts calling himself Gunther, it makes us go like, what? What about everything that we've been told so far? They're like, don't worry about it. Whenever you're told, forget everything you heard, you go like, I don't understand. This is making me feel crazy. Why are you doing this to me? And I get it. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. That's Butch. What? I've been watching that guy for, I mean, I've, five years. So invested in him. Who, Butch? No, I don't know who Butch is. But ultimately, Butch is on SmackDown, bro. And Butch is getting over. Butch was part of a, a, a team that won their WrestleMania match against the New Day in a minute and a half. I don't care what you make me call him. If you got Pete Dunn, Butch, whatever you want to call him, on SmackDown, I mean, he didn't win this week, but you know what I'm saying, in a prominent place where he's getting over, I don't care. I'll call him whatever you want me to call him. He's he's on SmackDown, for God's sake. That's what Dewdrop made me realize. I go, Dewdrop? Dewdrop? Then, Dewdrop got separated from Eva Marie. Then, Dewdrop got to do her own thing. Dewdrop got to change her gimmick a little bit. Dewdrop started to have banger matches with Bianca Belair. Dewdrop started to go to pay-per-views to have women's championship matches against Becky Lynch. And all of a sudden... Yeah, she's dewdrop now, but she's on Raw in a prominent position. I'm okay with it. I'm good with it, right? I'm with you. I was watching NXT literally on Tuesday. And I saw this guy, Ludwig Kaiser, have a very different name. But you know what? People get so wrapped up, I feel like, in the name change that we forget. Holy shit. Walter or the guy that we used to know as Walter is on SmackDown. What was the thing that you always heard about him when he was Walter? Yeah, but he doesn't want to move to the States. Yeah, but he's never going to be on the main roster. And you had all your fantasy matches and everything you always wanted to see from the guy, right? I don't care if his name is Fred. 
He's on SmackDown. He's on the main roster. We get to see this guy in a prominent position hypothetically every week. I'm okay with it. Plus, he's got abs now, and that's scary. I tell you what, go back and listen to the podcast. You can also, all the interviews that were on the podcast last week have all been uploaded on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel, so check all those out when you get a chance. But you can go back to last week's interview with Imperium. And uh, Ludwig Kaiser, who was uh, Marcel at (laughs) at the time that I spoke to him, I'm sitting there talking to this guy, right? And I'm looking at him and I go, number one, I didn't realize how big he was. Number two, I didn't realize how charismatic he was. I was like, dude, this guy has everything. And God bless Fabian Eichner. He's the fucking man too. I mean, the shape that that dude is in, my God. But that's what struck me. Even with, you know, Gunther on one side and Fabian on the other side, the now Ludwig really impressed me. As somebody that if I had a company, I'd be like, yup, that's my German guy. Yeah, that guy is the man. So the fact that he gets to go to SmackDown, yeah, we don't call him Marcel Bartel anymore. Who cares? I'll be over it within two weeks. I don't know how long it'll take you guys. If it takes you longer, I'm, I get it. I understand. I'm not trying to tell you that, that it's not jolting, and I'm not trying to tell you Hey, stop complaining about it because I get it. But I'm also an optimist. And ultimately, when I see Raquel Gonzalez on SmackDown, I don't go, hey, her name's not Rodriguez. I go, holy shit, Raquel Rodriguez made it to the main roster. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the fact that we've got a lot of talent that we've been watching. Finally getting a shot on the main roster. And a lot of this talent, if we're being honest, I don't think any of us were sure we're going to make it. You know, we're sitting there when NXT 2.0 came out. These were the names. Oh, what's going to happen to Walter Gunther? What's going to happen to Pete Dunbutch? What's going to happen to these guys? Like, are they going to fit on 2.0? Are they, they're getting called up, bro. They're getting the big spot. Let's see what happens. You know? There's not a, as of now, there's not that, I don't know that there's enough of a track record of people changing their identities because most of the people who went to the main roster and didn't work out didn't change their identities, maintain their NXT identities, and then they didn't work out. Now, that's not me blaming it on them at all, at all. But that is me just saying what it is for whatever reason. That's what it is. And there's not, it hasn't happened and, and maybe it's because it's new, but it hasn't happened that much yet. And it also goes back to, to NXT, right? And and what it was and what it has been, you know? When you look at NXT, NXT changed a lot. The Kevin Owens, Hideo Itami, Finn Balor class was kind of the, the first big indie-heavy class. Of course, Sami Zayn had come in before that. I, well... I don't know if it was the first big indie heavy class because Seth Rollins and 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 Dean Ambrose and all those guys had had pretty significant independent careers, but they were the last. They were the last of the independents to come in and change their names. For the most part, you know, of course, Tommy N became Aleister Black and here and there, but for a lot of people started keeping their names. 
and a lot and all and everybody for the most part kept their names coming from NXT going to the main roster. And there was obviously a disconnect between NXT and the main roster. That's why they changed NXT. So if we have to do some name switching to make sure that this talent can succeed on the main roster and that, you know, we can create new IP based on this talent, I'm not getting all bent out of shape about it anymore. I'm, I'm past it. I did like uh, the Lacey Evans uh, uh, reboot. You know, I think that the heel Lacey Evans had gone about as far as she was going to go. Southern Belle Lacey Evans, you know, I don't think we want to remember how dark it had gotten right before she uh, split from the WWE to have her baby. God bless. But I think it's I, I think it's definitely time to put a fresh coat of paint on Lacey Evans. And I, I like the story that was being told. And like, I know that that was effective because as I was watching SmackDown, my wife actually looked up from her iPad and looked at Lacey Evans telling the story and was like, man, my heart goes out to her. And I'm like, boom, boom, you got worked. I mean, it's a true story, but I'm just saying that the promo, if it did the trick for my wife, I'm sure it did the trick for a lot of people out there. So uh, I was happy about it. Um, I like Cody's promo. That was really, really cool and cool to see and, and, and the whole thing. I'm interested to see where the Cody story goes. You know, I'm really interested to see once the sort of honeymoon period is over and once it's time to actually start telling a new story from within the WWE, what is that Cody Rhodes story? What is what is the story that brings Cody to the to the main event? You know, I don't know. I, I, I think that clearly we're we're going on a road towards the WWE championship. Uh questions have come up about who's gonna be the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns. You know, Braun Breaker had his moment on Raw winning the NXT championship back from Dolph Ziggler. Um, yeah, Cody Rhodes obviously had that promo. So some people are like, Braun Breaker should be the guy to beat Roman Reigns. Some people are like, Cody Rhodes should be the guy to beat Roman Reigns. I don't think that anybody should be foolish enough just yet to cast that role. I think when that role is ready to be cast, we will all know it and we will all feel it. As of today, there is still nobody that I think should beat Roman Reigns. Quite frankly, I think Roman Reigns should have another year-long winning streak and go to WrestleMania and beat The Rock. You know, I think the reason that they're keeping the WWE Championship and Universal Championship as separate titles is because inevitably Roman's going to lose one of them. You know, I would imagine he'll keep the Universal Championship and he'll lose the WWE Championship. And you can do that in a, in a few ways. You could... Uh, you could have him do a triple threat or a fatal four-way or a fatal five-way or a sexy six-way, whatever you want to do, and uh, have somebody get pinned who's not Roman Reigns and have the title switch that way. Or you go to Money in the Bank pay-per-view or after Money in the Bank, have Roman, I mean, look, the way I would do it, I would have Cody start telling stories now until we get to a place where it's July, right? What is it? Uh, it's April now, next pay-per-view's in May, so we got like two pay-per-views, and then Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is in a stadium this year, so it's going to be a big show. And then SummerSlam is only four weeks later in a stadium as well, so it's going to be a big show too. I would do, like, have, you know, maybe uh, 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 Cody start to tell this story, which leads to a main event match against Roman Reigns at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. 
and then mid-match have somebody pull a Seth Rollins. Whoever wins the Money in the Bank ladder match, have him interrupt Cody versus Roman. He knows he's not going to be able to beat Roman. Nobody could beat Roman. But when the opportunity is right, Roman's on the outside of the ring. Somebody comes in with the briefcase, cashes in, pins Cody, walks out with Roman's WWE championship. Roman's got the Universal Championship. He's got other fish to fry. And Cody can go on to main event SummerSlam against whoever it was that cheated him out of his match with Roman Reigns. And then maybe eventually get back to Roman and Cody or 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 figure out if it's time to put the title on Cody or not at SummerSlam. I don't know, but that's one way to do it. Could be interesting. I don't know. I'm about ready to put the title on Ezekiel, quite frankly. That's Elias's younger brother, Ezekiel. That's another one. That's another one where I it's a fun, it's fun. First week fun, you could call it. They should have a segment called First Week Fun. Where it's like, no, well, tell him he's Ezekiel, Elias's brother. Well, he doesn't have a beard. He looks younger. Okay, where do we go from there? Yeah, we'll figure it out next week. I don't know. I don't know where it goes from there. I'm assuming that 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 he'll come out again tonight on Raw and go like, no, I'm still Elias's younger brother. And they're like, no, you're still definitely Elias. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I, yeah, I don't know how it grows. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to Ezekiel and Veer. Maybe Veer will beat Cody. I don't know. There's so many things that could happen. I do find it compelling that, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura may be the next person to step up to face the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Um, you know, say what you want about Roman Reigns' title run. I do like that if you go through, like, some of what's made Roman Reigns' title run to me interesting is that clearly people know, like, he didn't win both titles against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania so that at WrestleMania Backlash he could lose. Right, We know whoever Roman has at WrestleMania Backlash, we know he's not losing. Right, And there have been pay-per-views throughout where we know that's not happening. But I think the story has been kept interesting by finding new reasons for people to face Roman Reigns and, quite frankly, finding new people to face him. Bringing new people into the main event, you know, doing that whole story with the main event Jey Uso. And all of a sudden... Jey Uso is looked at in that main event spot where he can be in a in a universal championship match at a pay-per-view. Same thing with Cesaro. Roman Reigns being this champion to me is what made it so we can we can do this match. We can we can do this thing where where Roman is Roman is going to face Cesaro for the title. We know Cesaro is not going to win, but it's worth it to put him in the main event. I feel the same way about Nakamura. I love the idea of Shinsuke uh being that guy, you know. I think uh who are the Raw Tag Team Champions? Rated RK Bro? or I always say Rated RK Bro. RK Bro? That's going to be a big match. Usos versus RK Bro? Are Usos going to be the one to dethrone RK Bro? And then have Shinsuke versus Roman Reigns at that pay-per-view at WrestleMania Backlash? I'm not against it. I think it's fun. Give Shinsuke the opportunity to be in a match that big, and I think that... Uh, I think it's only good for Shinsuke and Nakamura. Feel better, Books. Obviously, I'm not capable of doing that. Hey, I appreciate all you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, don't forget, if you're looking for more Not Sam Wrestling content, you can go to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling is where you can go. Uh, lots of different tiers. You can watch this podcast get recorded live every week. 
You can get the videos first. You can get the podcast first. There's even a bonus podcast that comes out every single Thursday. Don't forget, for free, if you want to support the show, you can subscribe to Not Sam Wrestling on YouTube at youtube.com slash Wrestling. You can also leave a rating and a review on Apple and now on Spotify as well. If you're listening on Spotify and you haven't left a, a, a rating, go ahead and throw that five stars down on old Not Sam Wrestling. And we'll see you next week or for the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash Wrestling on Thursday. For Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, see you then. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.